the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thoughts control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you here every Saturday evening on AM 1280 The Patriot. And I'm joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation and my wonderful co-host, Mark Durkin. Nice to see you again, Rebecca. Nice to see you. I wish it was under better circumstances. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot going on these days. Well, for three months, America has been paralyzed by the hysteria surrounding COVID-19. Here in Minnesota, after months of extended shutdowns of schools, businesses deemed non-essential, and churches... An additional and more volatile crisis engulfed the Twin Cities and has spread to the rest of the country. The murder of a handcuffed, unarmed man named George Floyd under the knee of a Minneapolis police officer soon resulted in citywide riots. And as thousands gathered to peacefully protest, many others chose to set fires and loot hundreds of businesses most of which were already hurting economically from the COVID shutdowns. That's right, Rebecca. In fact, the upsetting television images of the murder and really the subsequent mass gatherings of protesters, they made us all forget about the frenzy that was surrounding the COVID crisis. Practically overnight. Absolutely. Social distancing, that really shrunk in importance. And there's Mm -hmm. a great divide concerning the usefulness of wearing masks in public. And, Mm -hmm. you know, city and state leaders, they're trying to remind protesters to wear masks and to practice social distancing. And the calls, for the most part, uh, are going on, or they're going ignored. Mm-hmm. And what can't be ignored, though, is the virus continues to plague the elderly and those with comorbidities. According to Alpha News, as of June 2nd, the total number of COVID-related deaths was at 1,072 persons. And of this number, 866 deaths are cases that resided in long-term care or assisted living facilities. Mm -hmm. The percent of those who died and were over the age of 70 is at 82%. Keep in mind, Minnesota is a state that boasts a population of a little more than 5.6 million Mm -hmm. people. Yeah, it's a lot. We're going to be talking about that data is important because um, these lockdowns were based on Models that we'll be talking about in a little while with Catherine. And as we see the restoration of law and order in the Twin Cities, how will Minnesotans respond to the ongoing restrictions on our freedoms, even after our economy has crashed? What will be the consequences for businesses across the state that still can't function at full capacity? How do we move forward and counter the fears perpetrated by an overreaching government? So well, joining us by telephone for the next two weeks to help shed light on these questions is a more... Uh, or is a regular guest of ours, our wonderful contributor, Catherine Kirsten. And Catherine is a writer and an attorney and a senior policy fellow and founding director at the Center of the American Experiment. 
having also served as its chair from 1996 to 1998. Catherine has also served as a Metro columnist for the Star Tribune from 2005 to 2008, and before that was an opinion columnist for the paper for 17 years. Catherine, it's always an honor to have you join us on our show, Education Nation. Thanks for coming in tonight. Well, thanks. It's a pleasure for me. Yes. Well, thank you. Well, we have so much to talk about that I'm just going to jump right in here. Um, Mm -hmm. Minnesota's pandemic of fear stemming from the coronavirus can be attributed to the incorrect numbers of deaths originally forecasted by the models. And these projected numbers cannot be repeated enough. Can you take our listeners through some of the original forecasts for the state of Minnesota? Um, And is Governor Wall still holding to these same forecasts today? Right. Well, very simply, um, Governor Waltz's original model, the one that justify, he used to justify his first shutdown order, uh, projected or predicted that 74,000 Minnesotans mm-hmm. would die from uh, COVID-19 if social distancing wasn't practiced and 50 to 55,000 would die. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the kind of onerous shutdown lockdown uh, that he did order. Uh, and, of course, nothing remotely like uh, what he projected with the social distancing and the lockdown, right. uh, 50 to 55,000. We, we, uh, so, so he subsequently modified that model substantially. But even so, mm-hmm. uh, the, the model he's currently using today is, tremendously off uh, mm-hmm. from from what we've actually experienced. So he he said uh, projected that with uh, under the model he, he's currently using by the end of May we would have fourteen to seventeen hundred deaths in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and by the end of May we in fact had one thousand fifty, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know very different from mm-hmm. uh, fourteen hundred to seventeen hundred, mm-hmm. and of course that's leaving aside uh, the question of how death is is actually registered death from from COVID. Are these uh, are there deaths that are not from COVID but simply with COVID uh, mm-hmm. included in that number? We know, um, for example, that uh, that that's that is a very valid question, given the fact that the, the median age of people who die in Minnesota with COVID uh, is 83, mm-hmm. and uh, almost 99% of people who have died from it, uh, as you suggested, 80% from long-term care facilities, mm-hmm. uh, almost 99% with comorbidities. Now, um, Jan, uh, uh, Jan, Jan, oh God, I'm blanking mm-hmm. on her name, mm-hmm. Marshall, the, um, uh, the, the uh, Minnesota Commissioner oh, of yes. Health, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, recently was asked, I think just yesterday, was asked uh, whether a, what what number of people who were were described as dying from COVID had long-term care directives mm-hmm. in place, mm-hmm. which would have prevented... Um, Trying in, to in, save in, them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, there was a number. She, she didn't give it. But, you know, there was some percentage. It, it, that kind oh, of... Oh, my that goodness. They don't, they don't That's know. something I haven't yeah. even thought of that. That's such a good point. Isn't that, that interesting, right? Yes, that, you know, within the long term, because we know over, I think it's about 82% is what we said, of, of the deaths are in long-term care facilities. I hadn't considered that, that most of them probably are DNI or 
um, you know, do not resuscitate. Um, right. My right. guess is that question. you're right. That is a very interesting question. I've never yeah. thought of that. Never thought yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, a public health crisis that was originally forecast has not really materialized, however, an economic and social crisis has. Can you explain for our listeners how this is really just the beginning? Sure. Um, well, when you shut down uh, economic activity uh, to a, a major extent in a state and then across the nation uh, mm-hmm. as well, um, there's going to be tremendous fallout. And we know that uh, more than 700,000 Minnesotans have applied for unemployment, for mm-hmm. example, an astonishing number in a state with, what, 5.5 million mm-hmm. people. Um Uh, Yes, that's Mm -hmm. right. Um, We know in the hard-hit hospitality uh, business world uh, that uh, Liz Rammer, who uh, heads up uh, Hospitality Minnesota, that that includes bars, restaurants, uh, resorts, campgrounds, etc., has written in the Star Tribune that uh, two months following the date of publication of her piece on May 13th. So July 13th, if if a shutdown hadn't substantially been removed by that time, she said without doubt more than half of her members would permanently close. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's the kind of of scale of, uh, of economic uh, dislocation that we're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know how much our listeners have researched it themselves and I hope that they do because it's easy when you still have your own income intact to think okay well yes I can wait this out um, without really taking the time to regard the businesses but when you stop and think about this these small businesses make up most of our small towns in America Absolutely. and are and not so small towns think of Stillwater think of White Bear Lake think of Wyzetta yep. Um, You know, all of these little communities are made up of small independent businesses. They're not chains, most of them. And and they can't survive long. And then to let them only reopen at 25 percent capacity. I actually was one of the lucky ones that got my hair done on Monday. (laughs) And uh, that that the my hairstylist said, because of all the regulations they have to reduce the time even um, or the amount of work that they can do. So they can't have more than 25% capacity, but they even have to be careful about, for some reason, doing blow drying near other people. So she said, if we basically have to work twice as many hours to see the same number of clients, well, and then only 25%. So imagine what that does to these poor salons and how are they supposed to survive that? Well, it's so true, and a lot of those people are self-employed. You yes. know, they're not getting they unemployment. And then when you when you think that we have a one-size-fits-all shutdown situation across Minnesota, including the what I think are still the two counties that have no oh reported my COVID yeah. cases at all, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, it boggles the mind. Yes, it sure does. Well, the economic crisis also uh, has been intensified with the civil unrest that we talked about earlier, the rioting that's really paralyzed the Twin Cities and, you know, is obviously spreading across the rest of the country. Here in Minneapolis and St. Paul, at least 270 businesses have been damaged. 
uh, after the riots. And across the Twin Cities, many others have delayed their reopening. Mall of America is what comes to mind. Mm. Or closed again due to fears of unrest uh, reigniting or spreading. Discuss the different Mm -hmm. ways these added fears will exasperate the economic and social fallout. Right. Well... You know, it's uh, we're seeing this unfold uh, day by day, aren't we? Uh, and chaos and uncertainty are are terrible uh, conditions in which to to try to maintain um, business stability. Uh, obviously, the the kind of of uh, the, the rioting that you just alluded to, Mark. Uh, makes people concerned about their physical safety, and it certainly undermines consumer confidence, which is what you need to to bolster um, Mm -hmm. as as people begin to venture back outside. And one of the great tragedies, uh, especially in in Minneapolis, is the number of immigrant-owned and minority-owned businesses among those that you name, you you numbered the 270, and of course at this point it's more than that, Um, these people uh, in particular are suffering. Maybe the only grocery store in their neighborhood is gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's it's a tragic, tragic situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also, too, you've mentioned in some of your past writing that in one of the, the shutdown extensions from Governor Waltz, he had decreed, that our economic life will resume by unpredictable mm-hmm. fits and starts with no end date for lifting the order in sight, end of quote. Mm-hmm. And this statement really received clarity over Memorial Day weekend. It was last Saturday. People were distracted, trying to be outside, yeah. maybe away at their cabins. And the governor said the restrictions implemented needed to get us through until we could get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So this is a critical moment. I mean, can we really expect that restrictions that fuel economic and social crisis will continue for at least another I don't know, 12 to 18 months? And can the state's economy well, have any chance? Course, right. And uh, it's certainly been pointed out there is no guarantee that we will ever have exactly. a vaccine exactly. uh, for this. Now, this is exactly the kind of uh, sort of rule by expert or, or claimed scientific expert uh, that has been revealed to be um, so, so poorly thought out and completely lacking in, in attempts to, to balance um, costs and benefits. One thing that struck me in watching uh, press conferences that Governor Waltz has held on, on COVID-19 is this imagery of his dial, right? Oh, right. And his, <laughs> I know. Claims to, uh, that, that this was all based on, quote, science and experts. Well, what what an illusion that is! You know, we have this this exactly. hand that he moves this way, that uh, which which gives you a sense there's a larger plan. Well, there mm-hmm. there is a sense, right? Right. That there is there is no he he has never articulated the, the science, and when when he's attempted to do so with mathematical modeling, we've seen how far off it's been. But people mm-hmm. are fooled, I think, by that. Yeah. That kind of imagery, when, when in fact there is no clear, transparent uh, scientific explanation behind it. Exactly. You know, one thing I wouldn't mind diverting for just a moment here, Mark, if that's okay. That's I would like to ask you, what do you think has prompted our collective society to be willing to let the government be the expert on this in from top down and 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 they have gotten in lockstep 
people believe, okay, this is what we got to do. And since when is a one view considered the right view to the point where they can decide for everybody, really, what what you get to do and what you don't get to do, what part of life gets to start up and what part of life doesn't get to start. This is all being based on, you know, their their model. Their, why is the electorate, why are we collectively allowing this, do you think? What has happened well, in our well, society? Well, that's a huge question, a fascinating question, and one that we should take very seriously. Um, if we wanted to get into the roots of of this, I think we'd have to go back to the beginning of the Progressive Era, mm-hmm. uh, you know, literally 1880, 1890. There was a very concerted effort on the part of progressive politicians and uh, university faculty mm-hmm. uh, to to lead people to to distrust their own experience, uh, their own common sense. In, in, mm. in many circumstances and replace it with that of so-called disinterested uh, expert. This, this was the, mm. the, ori- the origin of the, uh, of the bureaucratic state, which had its, its roots in Germany, the Germany of, uh, of uh, Otto von Bismarck, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And um, if, we didn't have any um, universities that offered graduate degrees really much before that point. And thousands of Americans who went on to, to Germany to get PhDs in advanced study and this whole reign of experts who were supposed to be superior because they were disinterested, but also, mm-hmm. um, you know, highly informed, was supposed mm-hmm. to carry us forward into a. So I think we're we're literally today mm-hmm. seeing uh, what happened 120, 130 years after this uh, this began. But when it comes mm-hmm. to experts, look, let's look at the different approaches taken in 50 states on this matter. When can salons open? When can restaurants open? Well, mm-hmm. you know, many states have had very, very different policies in this respect. Right. And if if we look at um, what Governor Waltz said about about the opening of restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, it's, there are something like four weekends, uh, I've been told, that, uh, that Minnesota, say, Brainerd Lakes area type businesses mm-hmm must have in order to survive over the winter. And mm-hmm. they're what? Fishing opener, Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and uh, the 4th of July and Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Why would you decide that restaurants can open patios at 25% after? after. I after. know. Why June 1st? Yes. That's the kind of lack of, of sense we're talking about that, right. that comes down from so-called experts. Yes, yes. And it's it's just very concerning to me. And like you say, I think it is a question that we really need to be looking at and I really think we need to be looking at our educational establishment. I do think a lot of this comes down to what are people what are people learning in school and these collectivist ideas have really taken and hold. I, I want to really encourage our listeners too if they've haven't had a chance to go back to our podcast website ednationmn.org. Um, I don't have the exact episode numbers down in front of me, but if you will scroll down mm-hmm. uh, through the Rolodex of Probably shows. about a year ago. Yeah, it was a mm-hmm. little more than a year ago, but you'll see uh, some titles and shows that we've done on the, the originality of, and, and really the start of the progressive movement in this mm-hmm. country. Interesting. I would just, okay. Mm-hmm. I would encourage so our know. listeners to yeah, go back and had, listen to Yeah, um, we had former Senator Han on to talk about oh, that with fabulous. us. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was it was very interesting, and I think you're I think you're right on as to where this has originated. Yep. Well, 
continued restrictions are obviously not good enough. <laughs> what must we as Minnesotans insist on in order to get to the truth? Right. Well, um, uh, we we need to insist on transparency mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to uh, the, the 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 experts and the models on which uh, all of this is based. And and so far, uh, we have simply not gotten uh, anything more than uh, the kinds of briefings that the governor does every day where he manifests his empathy and concern for those who are suffering, but never explains the the trade-offs, the objective data-based trade-offs that that should be at the heart of this kind of crisis management. I mean, how has he decided that uh, uh, what percentage of restaurants, for example, are we are we willing to sacrifice and see permanently closed mm-hmm. uh, in, in an attempt to stem uh, an epidemic in which the median age of the decedents in Minnesota is 83. 83. In long-term and, uh, care facilities, even. In long-term, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, how does that make sense? He has never explained uh, the larger vision and the calculations uh, that have been done, because my guess is they haven't been done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my guess, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not taking into consideration. No, but we mm-hmm. hear the common expression of, you know, Minnesotans do what they do best. They come together and they help one another out. We hear those mm-hmm. types of lines. Mm-hmm. As opposed to real we understand. We feel your pain. Right. I, I saw an article, actually, that was um, an interview with the owner of McGovern's, and he is just livid. And he said, they say you feel our pain. You don't feel our pain. <laughs> and, you know, um, it was it was actually a pretty um, heartfelt interview. Yeah, I, I really felt for him. And and he honestly is more concerned about other restaurant owners. He said, you know, we're lucky. We actually just did a remodel where we added patio space and we put a covering over it for rain. And he said, so we're in better shape than some of the restaurants. What are the rest of them going to do? You know, and um, he's just very concerned. And I appreciate his concern and his willingness to vocalize his his frustrations. Um, Well, Catherine, you've written that there are two kinds of fear that are currently blocking accountability. Can you explain for us what those are? Yes, well, my my uh, first thought here is that there is the fear uh, that Minnesotans feel when it comes to the, the possibility of their dying from the virus. Mm-hmm. And this is a fear that is, for, for most Minnesotans, um, essentially irrational because of the numbers that we right. discussed right. when it comes to who is actually dying in Minnesota of right. this. Disease mm-hmm. And the second kind of fear, I think, is a fear on the part of the politicians who, who really don't have any answers. And I think we've described uh, uh, what we've seen there, but mm-hmm. have done such, uh, such horrific damage to, to our state's economy and, and the mm-hmm. mental health. And I think the physical health yes. of so many Minnesotans that they, that they don't want to pull back the curtain mm-hmm. on the shoddy, unscientific way this has been done because they'd be exposed mm-hmm. uh, for having acted uh, in in ways that simply can't be justified. Mm-hmm. Um, 
let me ask you another question related to that. Knowing that the that the work behind a lot of these models, I know you probably saw the article that said that it was really a group of U of M, U of M students yep. and yep. and their teacher that kind of threw some models together over the course of the weekend. And you know, I I have not been able to verify that, but I think the article was right. in the Star Tribune, if I remember correctly. Yes, right. Uh, yeah. So I would hope that their writers did, but that's that's pretty shocking <laughs> that 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 would potentially be the case. And there's also this notion that there was a statement potentially left in there that said something about back into um, start start at the result and back into the model or something like that, which uh, yeah. indicates the possibility that they were trying to lengthen this this um, lockdown, th- this emergency for need of right. keeping emergency powers, for keeping a lockdown. Um, what do you think about that notion? Well, um, you know, we, we always have to be um, circumspect about uh, uh, reading more into this kind of thing than perhaps you know evidence would suggest we should. But I uh, I, I don't know enough about the, the larger situation there to really have a, a specific opinion on it. But I think we all can agree that the administrative state that um, progressive politicians today generally are, uh, they are strongly attracted by power. Uh, And we know that power corrupts and the kind of unaccountable power that Governor Waltz has today. Right. I mean, it it has been, um, it has been allowed by the, uh, by the Democratic majority. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me, in, mm-hmm. in our, we do have a constitution that would not allow him uh, unaccountable power. Uh, were, 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 if, if the legislature uh, were, in my view, performing its, its duty, because, mm-hmm. you know, his, his power, his orders uh, only are good for a, a 30-day period, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But um, to, because of our the situation in our legislature, yes. you, you can imagine this going on uh, for many months. Yes, that's and, what I'm concerned um, about. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you know, it, it's it's really uh, it's it, it's one man essentially in the end, um, no, making these kinds of decisions. In my view, our our business community has not. Uh, has not demanded the kind of accountability that it should. I don't mm-hmm. think we've seen mm-hmm. strong leadership there. Nobody in the business community, um, leader of any major organization, has stood up and demanded the kind of transparency and the kind of objective, uh, data-based cost-benefit analysis mm-hmm. that uh, would would ex- make clear to Minnesotans why it makes sense to do what what Waltz mm-hmm, is doing. Mm-hmm. So it's a failure, I think, of a, uh, all around. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And I don't know if they're just uh, if they're fearful too, and they don't they don't want to end up with a backlash. And um, you know, it's everybody's paralyzed by fear. I think it's right fear, now, absolutely. and and hopefully, as time goes on, people will find their confidence and be willing to speak out, and we'll see more of that happening so that he does have to be more transparent and so that there is pressure for him to no longer have his emergency powers. So, right. 
Yeah, interesting. Well, Catherine, we are coming to the close of the show, and we look forward to having you again next week so that we can continue this conversation. Um, this is such an interesting topic, and it's it's so concerning for our state and our nation and really the whole world. And um, we are really thankful for your expertise and your research and for sharing it with us tonight. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. And My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. And uh, Always good to be here in studio. Always, it's always a learning experience. Isn't it? It's wonderful, isn't it? And I just I really enjoy just seeing how so many of the topics that we've discussed in the past over the last couple of years, they're really building upon they one do. another. They do. They resurface. To really open our eyes mm-hmm. to see what exactly is going on today and how to navigate through those yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to, on that note, listen to this podcast or other of our previous con- podcasts, please go to ednationmn.org org ednationmn.org and then we'll see you next week right here on education nation and am 1280 the patriot have a good night